0: Caution, the contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on The Coffee House Classical Music Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Coffee House Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa,
1: and I'm Allison.
0: And well, yes, we are back <laughs> a week late. Sorry. Uh, we, yes, we do apologize, but one of us—and I apologize for that person—was uh, unable to attend our weekly recording because I, oh, they were doing some <laughs> uh, some other things. <laughs>
1: But to make up for it, um, that certain person has has decided for us, and we came to the mutual agreement, that we will be releasing episodes this week and next week. Back to back yes. to make up for it.
0: Yes, we will. So this week you will hear about movement three of Symphony Number no. Six from Tchaikovsky. And next week, you can tune in right away for movement four.
1: Hooray! The the stunning conclusion.
0: Exactly. That's a great reminder that we've been talking about Tchaikovsky's Symphony No. 6, Pathétique. We're doing a movement-by-movement movement deep dive and analysis into this iconic work from such a wonderful composer.
1: So let's, without further ado, get right into this third movement. This movement is written in 12-8 time which can be split up into four large beats, which are subdivided with triplet eighth notes. So right from the start, it has kind of a jolly, lilting feel. And yet again, much like the second movement we heard a few weeks ago now, there's really no introduction. The strings just jump right in with the theme, which is then quickly passed to the woodwinds.
0: But soon, in the background, we get a march-like motif first heard here in the oboe. Now keep this motif in mind as we'll follow up with it as the piece goes along. Another one to follow is this here, little staccato 8th note melody.
1: Now remember, we said this movement was in 12-8 time, meaning that there are triplet 8th note groups. As you'll notice, this melody's eighth notes actually sound a lot more like duples, and that's because they are. Tchaikovsky has done an ingenious little trick where he actually alters some of the instrument's time signatures to be in 4-4 instead of 12-8 in their individual parts. So that means that we're still counting the big four beats per measure, and the conductor just keeps on beating along in that four-beat pattern but then the instrumentalists are able to conceptualize the subdivisions each a little bit differently. It's a very easy way to get the polyrhythm effect of 2 over 3.
0: Now after that kind of cute introduction to the eighth note theme, the orchestration gets a lot more lush. The whole string section gets to play, the melody has longer sustained notes rather than staccato, and there are held chords now, and percussion emphasis in the background. And as we've mentioned before, Tchaikovsky loved to utilize dynamics, creating contrast throughout his music. And in this instance, we have a motif passed around throughout the orchestra, building in dynamic intensity to fortissimo, and then with no warning, beginning again at pianissimo.
1: And Tchaikovsky is also a master of the slow buildup. Here we have some repeated harmonies, with the eighth note triplets and staccato melody moving around in the background. And this finally builds up to a transition section, with the strings playing downward triplet eighths and the woodwinds playing upward duple eighths, which is quite a chaotic effect.
0: Once again, Tchaikovsky sends in the clarinets to set things straight, as we always do. (laughs) Here we have the clarinet playing the full version of that march motif that was first introduced a while back with the oboe. In the background of this nice melody, there's quite a bit going on. First, the French horns have a rhythm that mirrors the clarinet in the first measure, but also as the clarinet deviates into longer held notes, the French horn keeps playing the same rhythm in the background.
1: Also, the strings continue with the staccato eighths ever flowing in a general downward pattern. In the next phrase, when the violins take over the melody, the horns play a very similar line and the clarinets also join them. However, while the rest of the strings play the staccato eights, the bassoons actually come in with slurred legato triple eights, so it's a whole different texture than before.
0: This movement really is full of whimsy. In this next section, the strings are getting a little angry though with emphatic half notes, but the woodwinds come in with carefree sixteenth notes. Again, there's a lot of contrast here with varied textures that Tchaikovsky effortlessly weaves into his music. music then kind of rewinds so first we're back here to the solo clarinet and then we're back to the string and woodwind eighth note trading that we recall from the very beginning of this movement
1: After some repetition to remind us where it all came from, there's a bit of a minor variation to the theme. But wait, could this be a development? It sure sounds like it as there's a sequence that takes the motif through a bunch of different keys. And again, we go through a kind of cute section before getting to something more dramatic. Just listen to this build-up, or rather, build down. The overall direction of it is all downward scales. But this doesn't really go anywhere thematically. Musically, however, we get that good contrast again. Now the whole orchestra drops out except the timpani. It's like a powerful but distant thundercrash.
0: This is, as you might say, the calm before the storm. Soon, the bassoon joins in with a low held note and the little motif that we've heard starts its build up throughout the orchestra. As you listen to this section, also listen to the background. The horns are playing a very slow upward arpeggio in whole notes and starting to crescendo as well. Now remember again that Tchaikovsky likes to repeat tension and release harmonic structures. Here, he speeds up each change, which really does build the drama for what will come next, and this effect might be best heard in the trumpets. Again, we lack a real finale to the build-up here. We end all of this tension with some scale work passed between the strings and the woodwinds with literally no melody to be heard.
1: And then... Out of nowhere, the whole orchestra comes in playing the full version of our once-meek oboe melody from the beginning. It is so brilliantly orchestrated here. Orchestra here is playing the melody. However, in the brass, particularly the trombones, they get to play some real raucous upward scalar patterns in the background. What fun! (laughs) There is a bit more repetition with the emphatic strings again, but Tchaikovsky keeps us on our toes. Instead of ending the phrase here, he just keeps going with the chords up and up and up. And we get another repeat of that grand melody, perhaps even more stately this time, thanks to the timpani joining in.
0: Now, recall a few episodes ago when we were talking about Wagner's Ride of the Valkyries and how it's quite repetitive and Wagner really had to keep building up the drama. You can tell that Tchaikovsky is doing a similar thing here. However, I would argue that Tchaikovsky may be more effective with this approach. Recall we first heard this melody as a snippet in the background with the oboe. When we finally heard the whole melody, it was just solo clarinet. So now, only near the very end of the piece are we getting the bombastic versions. So Tchaikovsky can afford to be a bit repetitive now, with just minor changes like the timpani and the melody, which still holds that drama for the listener, rather than blasting us in the face with it and then (laughs) deconstructing it. Right. So perhaps maybe more effective would be the wrong way, but it's two different ways of approaching this melodic development.
1: Mhm. I guess maybe it's personal preference of which way you prefer. I feel yes. like I like Tchaikovsky's strategy a little bit better because there's I guess more to look forward to and it's more fun along the way.
0: <laughs> I I <laughs> sort of agree it it's a little bit it does a little bit more to keep my attention. But if I'm in a certain mood, I do like to hear the different ways that, that Wagner can present the same material.
1: Obviously, he was well-revered for good reason. Indeed. But this is not Wagner's episode. This is Tchaikovsky's episode, so he How gets all the praise. How many parts
0: would a Ring Cycle Coffeehouse series need?
1: Too many. We've talked about this before. <laughs> anyway... Tchaikovsky does know how to take away some of this drama, though. And we hear that with this subido piano yet again, so we can get ready for yet another buildup. The low brass plays that old melodic motif, and there's some longer held chords in the horns that end in downward scales, and then the clarinets and low strings have some upward scales in quarter notes.
0: To round it all out, we have the woodwinds, horns, and strings playing the melodic motif snippet again—not the entire melody—and each snippet is bookended by sixteenth-note scales. The whole ending then is basically a repetition of the five-to-one chord progression over and over again, with woodwinds and strings playing scales. Really a technical exercise of a piece.
1: we just get some nice unison rhythmic movement from the whole orchestra. Tchaikovsky plays one more trick on us here by having the emphasis of this rhythm on beats two and four rather than on the downbeat one and three before finally letting us have a nice ending tonic chord.
0: So, we've got one more movement of Tchaikovsky's Pathetique Suite. Sweet, uh, Sweet? Symphony.
1: Symphony, yes. <laughs> <laughs> of
0: Tchaikovsky's Pathetique Symphony to go through. Uh, and we hope you'll stick around for the final episode. You know, a thought that I just had, Allison, um, I remember during the inception of this, this podcast, what, five years ago at this point? While Was we it? were something I like that yeah that
1: wasn't it like eight
0: something yeah well, <laughs> we were still in college um i remember thinking well you know we're, we're just gonna talk about the piece we're talking we're talking about the pieces like this people can hear it you know what are we doing but in reality i think it really helps i really enjoy breaking down a piece like this is when we do and we're when i'm hearing someone else break down a piece like this or if i'm doing it here on the coffee house it it changes the way that you hear these pieces that you've probably heard before because mm-hmm. these the strength of these great composers is blending all of this together into something that sounds cohesive but when you really listen critically and i think that's what we're doing here I was is listening just critically say, it's
1: critical listening that's what exactly. we're
0: going for exactly exactly this is a classical music critical listening podcast
1: um <laughs> For and the everyday person, though.
0: Exactly. And <laughs> we want
1: it accessible to all. Everyone can listen critically.
0: Exactly. And when you do listen critically, you really start to appreciate all the little touches in there. And I think that's where this genre really, really excels. Just mm-hmm. a personal opinion. Everyone <laughs> enjoys classical music differently. Yes.
1: Yes. And I think coming up, look forward for a bunch of little details in the last movement. I think it's it's a really, I, I would kind of describe it offhanded as a sparkly movement. And mm-hmm. I say that because it's like there's little, little twinkles of things all over that just kind of like catch my ear. I'm like, oh, I want to point that out to people. So I'll try and keep it concise because I don't want you listening to a 45 minute podcast. <laughs> or maybe I do. Yeah, you know, some people like longer podcasts so That's true. I don't know we'll see how it comes out but it's going to be a, a long one but it's real great and I'm yes. really looking forward to it
0: and if you know someone else that might be looking forward to a uh, deep critical listening dive into all of Tchaikovsky's Pathetique Suite and I don't know. Maybe we'll do some more Tchaikovsky sometime in the future. Go ahead and share this podcast with them. And while you're at it, leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Whether that's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. I think it's you know what? I think it's actually Apple Podcasts now. I don't, I don't remember if it's on iTunes or not. But yeah, uh, wherever it is, Apple that you get your podcast podcasts in the
1: credits. So you best yes. be getting it from there instead of do
0: your Apple else. Podcast yes. iTunes reviews, all that good stuff. <laughs> It very much helps the show, and until next time, I'm Asa.
1: And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. Tchaikovsky's Symphony No. 6 was performed by the University of Chicago Orchestra, conducted by Barbara Schubert. You can find The Coffeehouse on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Email us at coffeehouseclassical@gmail.com. at gmail.com.